Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Better Call Saul Season 3, Episode 4, it's called Sabrosito, full spoilers for the episode, as always. Do you know, I checked the time at one point during this episode because I was curious as to how far we were in before we saw Saul. I did the exact same thing and then I was like, I, I checked it once we saw, well, once it flicked to Kim. Yeah. Because, yeah, we hadn't even seen Kim yet either. It was pretty yeah, much what? exactly halfway through the episode. Yeah, just over, I think. It was like 25 yeah. minutes. Uh, so, really, really big chunk of this episode. And it's, it's funny because it wasn't even like it was the make plot. I mean, there was a little bit of make, but it was actually, it was Gus and it was Salamanca. Yeah. Uh, and it was just them doing things. It was like, oh, are we following this now as well? Is this the third tentpole of the show? Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, it, I got a chuckle because you know the, the opening shot is you know the underwater one. Mm. I was like, this shot really reminds me of Breaking Bad. It's because it was used in Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I I didn't realize quite at first, and then it comes up. I was like, oh, that was from Breaking Bad. That exact pill is from Breaking Bad. Although indeed, uh, it wasn't the only pill in Breaking Bad. Walter also had a pill that we sometimes got watery shots from. Uh, I yep. almost have expected a teddy bear to float into frame <laughs> at one point. Uh, but yeah, so this is a Eladio's place, and we we see him in uh, a fair bit in Breaking Bad, specifically season four had a, a fair bit of him, uh, and it was all to do with like Gus's past and like like Gus and him go way back, and his his friend was killed, and that was a big thing. That was a big motivation for Gus going forward. Uh, but basically, this was like the results of like Mike disrupting the supply chain. I suppose it's yeah. supply chain, the <laughs> the smuggling chain <laughs> into and uh, in, into the US. Uh, is Salamanca comes up and he gives them some rolls of cash. This is what we made here. This is what you get for all the all the stuff that we brought into the. Brought he into seems the reasonably happy with it. He seems reasonably happy until the Gussie's man pops up and <laughs> throws out this big stack of cash that's all been neatly wrapped and three big stacks of cash. Yeah, and then he's like, "Yeah, from now on, we're going to have it like this. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is what we're going to have now," and. He goes on for like five minutes because he brings him a little gift because uh, Salamanca's like, oh, we uh, we opened a... And this was all in Spanish with subtitles. Like, <laughs> so excuse the English and the Scottish accent uh, when I'm doing an impression of Hector or uh, Eladio. But he, he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, they bring him gifts and he's like, uh, we opened up an ice cream shop so it's an ice cream truck that brings up the stuff. Uh, and we've seen this, of course, but he's just kind of giving this information to him. And then Gus's man's come in and it's like, oh, Los Polos, here's a t-shirt. And he's got a t-shirt. Actually, I was surprised. I really thought that when he left and he put the t-shirt on, they would get a shot of the the, the bobblehead thing still sitting on the de- the table. It's like he's mm. left it behind because he doesn't care. It's not useful. Yeah, yeah it's I thought that too. Stupid trinket. Uh, but of course, this this all serves as uh, the motivation for Hector and how he's pissed about what's happening that someone is showing him up, and it leads to this fascinating scene in uh, Los Polos where him uh, Nacho, who we've not seen. This season, I don't think. Yeah, have we? Maybe briefly? I don't recall him, but yeah. may- maybe very briefly in like the background or something. Yeah, but they, they come out of Los Polos and Hector just sort of walks in as if, as if he owns the place and walks up to the counter and gives the guy shit, uh, lights his cigar, walks behind the counter and what, all this again, in a very very Better Call Saul fashion, is very sort of natural, slow-paced, in real time, mm. as it's happening. And you can see the sort of the, the customers in the, the store realising, oh, wait a minute, 
uh, something bad's going down to the point where this mother like says to the kid, "Right, we're going now," and that the henchman like stops him from leaving, and it's actually natural from across the room. He's like, "He's like, let them go, just, just don't do it." <laughs> which, which obviously natural's a character we know and we we've come to know him a little bit over the last couple of seasons, but. I, I think it's like, yeah, he's the one we know, so we care about him a little bit, so him making the little play that's like, no, no, don't no, let the kid go, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it, it's still a big moment for him, because yeah. it, it just reaffirms that he's not a bad guy, he doesn't want to, you know, hurt innocent random people, Yeah, he's, he's he, not, he doesn't want them involved in this at all, he's like, no, just let them out, yeah. let's not involve them. Yeah, and obviously Gus gets a call, and I, I, I want to point out some lovely things here. I love that Gus happens to be at the fire station, given because <laughs> he's he's donating to the, the you know local groups and things like that as we've seen him do. But when he gets the call that something's wrong, and he goes out, he gets the call, he hangs up the call, and it cuts cuts to this shot of him standing in the fire station between the, the fire engines, mm. uh, and you can see you know through the big you know the the big shutters where they come out, uh, and. I just I love this idea that he he's just got a call that there's a fire and he has to go put it out and he's standing in a fire. It just yeah, the, the symbolism's just fantastic, yeah, isn't it? it? Just it, it all worked for me. It was all working for me, and he, he goes in, and all the employees are sitting there. They've got they've got all the employees rounded up, and Gus is like, oh, everyone will get paid for the full shift, but you can all leave regular schedule tomorrow, and he keeps his composure. He keeps that that calm. I'm not a criminal voice that he yeah. likes to do and gets everyone out and he goes to see Hector uh, and Hector of course is trying to make a power play he's like oh no you work for me now you're my mule as he's scraping his dirt off of his shoe yeah onto Gus's desk onto Gus's desk and the whole thing you're like oh man Gus must be living and living from multiple reasons because I think one thing that we learned in Breaking Bad and something that we've certainly seen so far in Saul as well is that Gus hates when anyone comes to his Los Polos where that's his front and that's his legitimate front and do anything that would raise any kind of suspicion. It's something he yeah. hates. He hates talking business at the shop, at the, the restaurant, because he he hates it with a passion. So even before we got he got the call and it was just Hector walking around and causing a scene, I was like, oh man, Gus is going to flip his shirt. He's going to hate you this. Just, you just know he's screaming inside, going, get out, get out, get out. Yeah. So so while Gus sort of takes Hector's shit and Hector, he doesn't like... It puts up a bit of a fight, but he he's like, oh, did you... Sh- get this approved from the other members of the cartel and all the rest of it and he's like oh, no, I approved it you know Hector's trying to show his, 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 his ego he's trying to show his dominance and when he leaves and Gus is left there on his own to clean up because he sent all the employees home and he starts cleaning up sort of he goes through it and he, he picks up one of the sort of the tin foil wraps from one of the, the burgers or the chicken that he served and this amazing thing happens that I legitimately did not expect he smirks yeah, because I'm thinking he's pissed the entire time. It, like, it, everything from the moment Hector walked into that restaurant, I'm like, Gus is going to be pissed. And all this stuff happens. He has this conversation with uh, with Hector, and all of it feels like he should be pissed. Like in the inside, he's you know yeah. wanting to slit some more throats because we know he's capable of that if you've seen Breaking Bad. And uh, as we always say, if you're not seeing Breaking Bad, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Go watch Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah, frankly, it's impossible <laughs> to talk about this stuff without. Breaking Bad spoilers. Yeah, it's impossible at this point because we're getting to all these characters that... By the way, I want to commend Saul for bringing these characters from Breaking Bad in a very natural way that does not feel forced. It does not feel like just blatant fan service. And they, they, they feel natural to the plot and where it's going. Yeah, I think there was a couple bits, you know, like season one, maybe, where it was like, okay, the, the, there's a little bit here just because they can. Yeah, Tuchel was a little bit 
you know, it was like, oh, big ep- end of the episode. Oh, too cool from Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's like, hey guys, we can do this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I feel like everyone this season, though, and even last season as well, have all been very naturally because it's all mate getting into this world and all that. Kind yeah, of thing. it's exactly what should be happening. So, so he smiles and he like throws the. He notices the the trash can across the room and he he throws the the little ball of foil that he's made and he gets a he gets a, a three pointer as it were. <laughs> And he's just—he's a happy, happy man, uh, and obviously it becomes clear later on when he goes to see Mike, because uh, Mike, of course, refuses payment for what he's done, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't do it for—I didn't do it for me. I don't want the money." And Gus gets that it's—he didn't even do it for himself, or that he wanted vengeance. This was about the innocent person who got killed because of what he did before. Yeah. Uh, and Mike has a conscience, and we see he's got a conscience because when he goes and visits his uh, his granddaughter, and he's. Like he's refusing the ice cream and he's sitting there and you can tell he's his soul is just being eaten away. Like, and part part of the way I read that as well is like when he was on the phone with her and he's like, "Oh no, I shouldn't come over and put you out. I don't want to come over." I kind of get that because he's more into this lifestyle now, because he's becoming part. This is becoming part of his life, and he recognizes that he doesn't even want. It's almost like he wants to still support his family but keep away from them. He doesn't want them to be dragged into this with yeah, him. Yeah, he he wants the distance in case. Yeah, I mean, he he he's already aware of what Gus is capable of. He doesn't want Gus to turn on him and go after his family because he knows that you know it'd be easy for it, them to find him. Not even that. I think even just a case of the authorities, if he ever gets caught, he wants to keep them at a distance for that reason. And I think he knows that he, this isn't just him getting out because I feel like season one, season one Saul, not season one uh, Breaking Bad, season one Better Call Saul, Mike would never have answered a question like he did in this episode because Gus says to him. If you ever decide you want to work for me, like, because because obviously Gus recognizes Mike is a very skilled individual. He is very good at what he does, yeah. and Mike says, "Yeah, maybe I'll keep that in mind. Depends on what the job is." I don't think season one Mike would have ever said that, but he nah. is into this now. Like he he's almost getting a taste for it, and obviously they have that whole thing where we'll get to the scene with him doing the uh, the stuff for Saul, but. Uh, where he sa- he says to Saul, oh, it's nice to-, to fix something for a change when he's talking about Chuck's door. And I love when it cuts to this next scene when he's in his booth again. He's reading a, a hardware magazine. Yeah. Uh, and I-, I thought that was a pretty nice little touch. That he's, oh, he's it like, is. Oh, I enjoyed fixing a door. Maybe I can get into this. <laughs> yeah, do a bit of woodwork. Uh, but, no, nah, so I-, I-, I thought that was that was great stuff for Mike's uh, character. Like, seeing how far he's come, that he gave that answer to Gus, that he's almost got a taste, maybe, yeah. a little bit for this. Absolutely, because like I say, a couple of seasons ago, he'd have just told Gus to piss off. He, he wanted nothing to do with any of that sort of stuff. And it's just slowly been eroded to the point where maybe, maybe he's not willing to take money for it yet, but it's just eroded where he's like, mm, okay, I can, I'm good at this. Yeah, cause it's, it's, it's almost fulfilling for him. Because season one, it was about getting money to support them. Season two, it became personal because they threatened his family. And he wanted vengeance for that, but now it's kind of turning where he's like he's realised he's into this lifestyle, and I I just I think it's really fascinating to I, watch. I, this. I do think it's something to do with maybe a pride in his work. Like he's he knows mm. he's good at it, and obviously when he used to be a cop, he was good at that, and now he's just this booth attendant, and it's it's just he's just sat there and he feels like he's wasting his life. Maybe oh, so even if this fulfilling. isn't something yeah. productive or, or good, it's something he's useful for. That said, I I. I <laughs> I really wish you know Victor comes earlier and he gives him the money and then he drives back around to get out mm. and uh, he throws the, the money back at him I would have laughed a lot if he'd said uh, uh, where's your stickers 
Give me your stickers. I, I almost thought he was going to for a second. <laughs> you, know, you know, when when Victor's like, oh, you're going to let me out? So I was like, well, where, where's your stuff? You've got to pay to get out. <laughs> oh, it's so good. All, all the Salamanca stuff, all the Gus stuff was was just riveting stuff. And obviously Gus comes back in the next day and the staff are all kind of like, oh, that was weird. What's going on? And he gives them this story about how they, they sort of harassed him for money uh, down south. And now now they try to do it here. But he's, and he gives them this inspirational speech. Uh, he also gives them 24 hours of overtime extra on top of the regular pay, which I'm sure... Very generous. Yeah. Well, we know we can afford it. We do. It's not. He's not just selling chicken or Gus here. <laughs> he's, he's, he's making some extra money on top of that. Uh, but again, that was just a great scene. It's shown how Gus is good at keeping this public image and c- keeping people thinking what he wants them to think. Yeah, it's this idea that the the public persona of the the good person that he puts on, like this, even just this this twenty four hours overtime, he didn't need to do that. The speech was probably enough on its own. He'd covered it, and then he goes, "Ah, you can all have twenty four hours overtime." Just to just to really sell that he is a a good person, sort of thing. And he's like, "No, you you, you all deserve this." Yeah, uh, no, that that was great stuff. It was great stuff for Gus, and that, that, that's what really fascinates me is that we're getting scenes where it's just Gus's own plot. For yeah, I, I obviously we knew we were getting Gus this season, but I I thought it would all be in relation to Mike. Yeah, but it's it's really fascinating it, to see it, it just. It, it's somewhat obviously relevant because it's a result of what Mike something Mike did, and he comes back to Mike later on in the episode, but. We do get it. It's from his perspective, almost a lot. Of yeah, I, I, I did expect it all to be filtered through yeah. Mark's point of view, whereas this is not that at all. But that's okay. I am okay with that. We can have more Gus, please. That's fine. I'm happy. Uh, so Saul and his side of the thing. Uh, I actually, because that stuff went on so long before we even seen Kim or Saul, I legitimately thought the whole episode would not have them in it. I thought we. I, I thought it might as well. Yeah. I thought we were going to be having just a, a Mike slash uh, Gus Salamanca episode, uh, and I'd have been okay with that. I mean, the show's called Better Call Saul, admittedly, so that's maybe a bit weird. But when they've hey, done it, a... when you go half the episode still, they're, they're being lenient yeah. anyway. But you know, when we had that like Mike centric episodes before. I mean, Mike centric episode of episode season one was the probably the best episode of that season. Like everyone came out of that one just over yeah. the moon. Yeah, so. definitely. That was that. That was where the show turned around. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so Saul and Kim's stuff, and they're trying to figure things out. He's writing this statement. She's doing a bit of detective work, trying to figure out who's coming to repair Chuck's door. Uh, eventually, she finds it, and he's writing the statement. And she makes him change one sentence about uh, instead of destroy uh, property, you damaged the. Yeah, just just get it down. Let's see if we can get away with that. Yeah. Uh, and this is I'm, I'm pointing that out because it's relevant later on obviously but before we get to that let's talk about let's talk about Mike coming because she's like oh you should you get the right guy to do this this door thing because obviously you get they're going to send someone else because Chuck doesn't know this has been cancelled she cancels the actual door repairman and it's like oh yeah best of the best and I'm like who's he got because I was expecting someone stupid almost <laughs> like I was expecting like oh, really? one of the doofuses he got to film stuff for him last season or something oh, really? like that. I thought it was really obvious who it was. Oh no, it was just it was just because of the way he said it. I was expecting a punchline. I was expecting a joke. <laughs> I think even for Saul, like at the minute this this situation's too serious. Oh to no, I agree. Like I agree. It was just the way he set it up, I was expecting a funny person and that was what what it was setting up for. Obviously the start of the episode does start with Mike uh, casing out the old uh nail salon and we see the DEA taking evidence presumably for all this stuff um, 
But uh, so so it's, it's Mike. Mike's at Chuck's, and we've never seen these characters interact, which was kind of amazing uh, in and of itself. Just that yeah. he comes in and immediately he starts like he pulls out his drill. He's like, oh, no, I need power tools, and he's like, vroom, 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 and, he, <laughs> and he keeps doing it. And it's it's kind of similar to the uh, the gunshots from last episode where he keeps doing it to build the pattern, and it forces Chuck to go upstairs because he wants to be away from the noise and the electricity. I like yeah. how he plays it really smart, though, because he gives Chuck the choice. He's like, look, I can do it with a screwdriver and a hammer, but instead of being here a few hours, I'm going to be here two days. And you'll be paying for those two days. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's your choice. Yeah. No, he, he sets up, he makes him make the choice. And I wasn't, like, I was wondering what he was there for, because I was like, all right, so there are, maybe they're assuming Chuck's got another copy of the tape, they're going to get Mike to... Make to grab it. Root around, yeah. Perhaps. Maybe plant a bug or something. Uh, it seems like it obviously takes a bunch of photos uh, to show the damage of the door, show various other things, uh, general evidence. And he also gives him a bit of paper with a, a thing on it from an address book, which I think is important given the end of the episode. Uh, but uh, that, that seemed to be it. Uh, so it's all a maker in good terms anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And... Like I mean, as good as terms you can be with Mike, because Mike's a pretty gruff guy. Uh, but that that kind of leads us to the, the soul stuff, and obviously, we we go to this this hearing, and there was lots of little touches to this little this little meeting with the prosecutor, and then uh, you know Saul not saying hi to Chuck, where everyone else kind of gives this formal. It's not even hi; yeah. it's just their names back and forth, like Chuck, Kim, Howard, Kim. Like, it's just it's just that, but. One of the things I loved, like, is the the prosecutor comes in and she's very friendly with Chuck and Howard, and she starts making all this small talk about his condition. And I love the way it's framed: is that Kim and Saul are in the middle of the frame, and they're on either side having this friendly conversation mm. with each other, and they're just sitting there in silence, waiting for it to get going. It's like, hey, there's no bias here. Like, yeah. So I, I loved here as well as um, she's like, oh, everyone left their cell phones. Like everyone in the room's not intimately familiar with the condition already, and like they're 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 probably the people most well aware of all of this in the world now i get that this is set, set you know before breaking bad so it's bef- probably before that this stuff existed but i would I, I think if i was saul in this this particular situation i would have whipped out like four tablets and <laughs> just, just, no, i've got all my notes on here <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe a laptop ah, laptops yeah what's a laptop that's still suitable for a time period so they go through his statement and she's like right everyone's had a chance to read defendant's statement is there anything that we are not happy with in the statement and without a pause without it's not even like a moment of hesitation Chuck's like well yes actually on page two there's a and he brings up the exact line you, you know exactly what he's going for yeah you? it's the exact line that Kim tried to got, got Saul to change and say let's see if we get away with it and they're like no no I think destroy and it even questions the, uh, the, the term the terminology of like property it's like Oh, this isn't. I mean, the door maybe counts as that, but this is a tape. This is something that's irreplaceable. This is a cassette tape. This is destroyed beyond repair. Damaged implies it can be fixed. Mm. Is is kind of what he argues, and you know, it's all this awkward sense like, well, is, is that suitable? Like, oh, do you want me? Okay, and he, he writes out in hand over it and signs it. Initials. Like, yep, initialed. J M M. Yeah, I think the whole over. thing on on Saul and Kim's part is they're trying to get the tape out of it, like entirely. Because obviously we see here damage, like like he says, it, it doesn't work for the tape, but it does for the door. Uh, you know, when they go to pay the, the amount, he's like, oh, we'll pay it all here. It doesn't include the tape in the original amount. Okay, you, you're reading to it in a slightly different way. Not, not because, I don't disagree with anything you just said, but 
I wasn't thinking about that in this scene. Honestly, all I thought when Chuck changed the amount is how petty he was being. He's like, oh no, that's not quite right. It's not 332, it's 334.98 cents. Oh, he's very petty, don't get me wrong. He's being petty, he's being smug, his hubris is showing the whole thing. Uh, Now, I think they are up to something with the tape. But I, I don't necessarily... I mean, maybe they were just trying to like pull a fast one, sort of. Oh, this warden doesn't count the tape. You can't count that later. Yeah, uh, I think they know Chuck's too good for that. Obviously, the end of the episode is a little bit different. Saul storms out, goes away. Well, obviously, first there's the really awkward uh, apology, which was great because it was Saul basically telling Chuck what he's done to him. He's like, yeah. "Oh, you should never do that to your brother." Like, yeah. I love how I brought up because obviously when he was writing the letter. Uh, earlier that we saw he was like oh, i'm not sure if it's it's remorseful enough and and that's what the prosecutor brings up straight away so mm. like, I, I don't feel the remorse in this yeah uh, so so that was good because he, he's, he's basically putting all this sub this obvious subtext for chuck to pick up on because that's how he feels i love that the, the only person who wouldn't have got that was was the prosecutor oh yeah <laughs> like, everyone, everyone else in yeah. the room was so aware yeah everyone else in the room is like oh, that's just so not genuine but that's yeah. enough for and her she'll, she'll it, take it, it. <laughs> It made me chuckle when uh, Kim and Howard both leant back in the chairs. Do you know oh, what yeah. said, oh, look at uh, them. And they were like, oh, I'm getting out of this. Yeah, that was because you said uh, you have to look look at your brother in the eye. So, yeah. And because they're sitting for a partner on a straight line, Howard and Kim just got to go like that. It's like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for an excuse for that. Oh, that's a, that was a good bit. So after Saul runs off and Kim comes out and she tries to talk to Chuck and Howard. And, he's like, and she brings up, all right, so let's talk about the copy of the tape. You obviously made a copy, right? You obviously did. And Howard tries to sort of not speak about anything. He's been all lawyery. And Chuck's hubris, I'm going to use that word again because I feel it's really important here. He's like, oh, of course, uh, that was the copy that Chuck destroyed. Uh, Chuck, sorry, Saul. That was the copy that Saul destroyed. Uh, of co- I mean, of course it did. But uh, it's under lock and key. It will be presented as evidence uh, when it's required. Uh, and so on and so forth. And then she she walks out. She she meets Saul outside, and he's like, "Oh, how did it go?" And she's like, "Bingo!" And they walk out, and there's this great ending shot where they walk out the, the doors side by side, kind of in oh, unison. A great episode, but that shot was probably my favourite. Ah, uh, just this this victory exit. Yeah. Now, how I'm reading this, right? I I I I, I watched this maybe about an hour before you did. I had a little bit of time to sort of see what people were saying about mm. what they thought. Because obviously they've just thought they've accomplished something. They've just accomplished something they set out to do. And there's a, maybe a little bit of speculation or debate as to what they did just accomplish. Now, I'm sure we'll get this answered pretty quickly next episode because we'll see what they're doing. I, but- I would assume they just wanted to confirm where the, 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 the tape was somewhere and the address from earlier. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that's the obvious thing to assume is that there's, yes, the address from earlier is where the actual tape is and they're going to maybe... Although, it's all I'd say to Mike, we're square now. So I don't think he, he's planning on Mike going to get it. But I don't know. But the, the, the plan could be to try and get to the tape and uh, get rid of the evidence. However, uh, now I, this could be incorrect, but I think there's actually a valid point because Chuck mentioned that Jimmy didn't destroy the the original. He destroyed the copy. Yeah. I think that's important. Hmm. Uh, partly because of all the wording that he made them go through about it being irreplaceable and all that. Well, it's not technically irreplaceable. It's a copy. You you have another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah and because he, he had this line as well about oh the bar if you're like you know it's a hearing for them they're a bit more lenient about what counts as evidence. So I feel like 
I, I, I honestly think they're going to trip up Chuck. As good as Chuck is, I feel like they, they've thought of something. I'm not entirely 100% sure what the plan is, but I feel no, like they're going to I trip them up. That. They've definitely got a plan, like whatever it is. They're, they're confident in their plan at the very least. I do I like it, but that, I liked it in the last episode. It kind of felt hopeless for them. It's like, well, Chuck's so good, he seems to have you bent over. Like, I don't, I don't know <laughs> how you're going to get out of this. And it, actually having them be so confident at the end of this one, it's like, oh, what have they got up their sleeve? Yeah. Joe, I actually think the, the ending shots of these two episodes have been fairly similar because that was the hopeless one. You know, they were outside by the window and they were almost yeah. silhouette. And this one is them walking out, out of the doors. But again, it was almost silhouette the way they were lit because of the light from the outside. Hmm. But they were walking into the light this time. They're, exactly. Yeah. That's nah, interesting. Nah, it's uh, good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's important. I think it's important that he did not destroy the original. He destroyed a copy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that wording was never in the statement, and I, I feel like this is all going to be important. Uh, yeah. Again, I feel like an actual lawyer could uh, help me out here, but this is where I'm getting on my own. Yeah, I found it interesting looking at, uh, going back a bit, the, the photos that Mike took. Mm. So one of them was the, the gas lamp on top of the papers. And yeah. I feel like I've seen this a lot. You know, like, he, he Chuck's really careless with where he leaves his fires. Mm. And, yeah. you know... Uh, there's a lot of these lanterns around, and that's just paper underneath. Uh, oh, that... I wouldn't be too surprised to see a fire at his house. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the arguments that Saul might try and make is, I suppose, that uh, it, like he went in to destroy the tape to try and bring his brother back from the edge. If he, if he believes his brother is, like, you know, crazy, he's a lost cause, he's a danger to himself. Yeah, he could also argue that he knows Chuck has a condition and he can't have anything electric around. So he could say he was trying to do something good, getting rid of the electric thing from near him. <laughs> I bet he was saying a lot of stuff in front of the other two as he was yeah, doing it. Yeah. So I, I don't know how well that holds up, but uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm excited about them having this plan. Yeah, it's definitely really intriguing. Yeah, because it's funny because we expect Saul to have a downfall, but maybe this isn't the actual downfall that he's getting. Maybe the downfall is something else later. Maybe that's what the the twist here will be. Is that no, he actually does come out of this one on top, and having having Kim do have a successful little practice for a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing. We're always expecting the worst in this show. It's like any moment this could be it. Hmm. And I think that that's again a testament to it. as a, as a prequel that we know he has to fall, but we don't know when. We don't know why, or yeah. yeah, or how, and it's just like every every time that something comes up, it's like this could be it, but might not be, and and that <laughs> that's really clever that they can keep us going like that every time. Yeah, I I, I often I, I often criticise prequels. We've been talking a lot about them recently. Uh, we would have, yeah. we've got a review for Prometheus coming up that we already recorded, and we talked about prequels and that, and some of the the pitfalls that you fall into, and honestly. Execution. Execution is everything. Ex- execution will trump anything else I don't like. Yeah. If you can do it well enough, it doesn't matter. And Saul is pretty much proving This, this is undoubtedly one of the best prequels ever made for anything. Unless it, like, you know, falls off a shit creek at, you know, sure. before the end. But, but yeah. But even if, even if, let's say, next season's the last and that season's shit, <laughs> that's still three great seasons to one bad. So, you know, uh, working the numbers, it's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's very few great prequels. 
but here we go. So, uh, that's this week's all. Let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz. Channel updates are on there. Uh, individual Twitters are on the screen. Uh, but that's us, guys. Obviously, if there's anything we did miss, because obviously sometimes there's cool little connections to Breaking Bad that maybe we maybe forgot to mention or overlooked. Uh, let us know. But uh, no, that's us, guys. So thank you very much for watching. Once again, have you got any vanilla? Thank you.